0: Hello, STEM Nation, Jeff here, and welcome to episode number eight of STEM on Fire, where we interview practicing professionals in the area of science, technology, engineering, and math. Let's start by thanking our sponsor, Audible, who is offering a free audiobook. Just head over to STEMonfirebook.com, that's STEMonfirebook.com, to get your free audiobook. Now let's get fired up with our guest, Bond, and I hope our chat will help ignite your passion towards a STEM career. Bond Calloway graduated in 1984 from Auburn University in Alabama with a Bachelor of Science degree in chemical engineering. He started as a process and research engineer for five years at DuPont before moving to the Savannah River National Laboratory Company as a project and process engineer, and now is the Associated Laboratory Director of Clean Energy Research. If work doesn't keep him busy enough, he has been heavily involved in the American Institute of Chemical Engineers and in 2017 was elected president of the American Institute of Chemical Engineers. Congratulations, Bond. Take a moment to fill in any gaps and share a bit of your personal life.
1: Uh, Well, thank you, Jeff. Um, You know, I think you got my bio correctly. I'm a little different than most people. Uh, I went to work for DuPont, and they were running the Savannah River site uh, in 84, and DuPont left the Savannah River site. It's a Department of Energy site that is managed... By companies, Dupont built it for the government, um, and I'm lucky that I never really had to change jobs. I essentially um, the companies change, but the location doesn't change, and so you just continue on. So I have a little bit different career than most um, these days, and and I've been lucky to uh, site offers. You know, quite an opportunity for people in you know in STEM fields. You can you know basically have a full career there for many many years. So I've, I've been lucky in that sense. And, you know, I'm, I'm no different than uh, the typical person that's in engineering these days. I uh, have a family, a daughter, son, and, and uh, a wife who's a, a food journalist. Uh, she's done quite well in that area and gotten locally famous anyways. And She worked for Viking Range as their online chef, so we obviously enjoy cooking. I can say that uh, the American Institute of Chemical Engineers has given me quite an opportunity and and we'll get into that today uh, where I've leveraged both my, you know, passion for chemical engineering and my normal career together to to form a larger effort.
0: Thanks, Bond, for that overview and fill in a couple of gaps there. For somebody that's not familiar with chemical engineering, can you give some examples of career opportunities and, and then we'll delve into your area of expertise?
1: Basically, when I started out, I was a looking for something to do in high school. And my dad worked for DuPont and I was good at chemistry. So I said, why don't you think about a chemical engineering job? So I just got right into chemical engineering. It didn't give it much thought. In 1979, they had the Three Mile Island nuclear incident. And I was a freshman in college. I lived next to a guy that was from Oak Ridge, Tennessee. And and of course, the local paper in Oak Ridge was full of of information about the uh, event because the Oak Ridge National Laboratory was was located nearby, and a lot of people uh, were curious about it. And so he and I ended up writing a you know a letter to the editor, at the local it wasn't the local paper, it was the university paper. You know people were starting to debate the uh, you know facts of nuclear power. So we we took information from the Oak Ridger and you know, what we could get from the library and responded back to the, the antis and, you know, said nuclear was still still the way to go. Um, but what I realized through that was that there was a huge, you know, problem area in nuclear waste. And two or three years later, um, you know, DuPont eventually offered me a job to go work at the Savannah River site where we process and clean up nuclear waste from the Cold War. And then we also uh, continue to produce tritium for nuclear weapons. And all of those jobs are chemical engineering related. Uh, a chemical engineer is the guy who figures out how to actually manufacture chemicals. Um, they do lots of other things as a result of that. But, you know, chemicals, you know, are all around you. I mean, just about every thing in your house, any plastic, uh, any... You know, material starts out somewhere in a chemical process and is, is eventually made. You know, even a window or a, or a uh, you know wall material in your house has some chemical property that that is added to it. Um, and, and essentially, it, it's it's all around you. Whether you're you know a farmer using it to fertilize your crops or your you know, uh, a food engineer that that's concerned with you know adding the right chemicals to food so they can make it safe. There's just about endless different industries that that use it.
0: Yeah, it sounds like chemical engineering is is if is everywhere. And I, I think if somebody has a, a knack for chemistry and and likes kind of the putting it all together, chemical engineering would be a, a great career for them.
1: That that's right. I mean, um, but you can also. You know delve into more basic research as a chemical engineer and and you know discover new materials and and uh, you know go into medicine in those areas. There's quite a number of chemical engineers that are concerned with you know making new chemi- you know chemicals for your body as well as new materials that you know would help you know, aid in sickness and disease.
0: Yeah, thanks, Bond, for that overview. Um, let's dig in now into what what is your area of specific expertise?
1: My particular area, of course, I spent about fifteen years building a nuclear waste processing facility. Uh, it's a three billion dollar effort on the Savannah River site, so I'm, of course, very familiar with that. That led to a job at the inside the laboratory, which is located on the site, um, doing you know, both basic research and applied research, you know, to the end of making, you know, more efficient nuclear waste processing facilities. And, you know, I got into um, really trying to understand the the properties of nuclear waste as they flow through pipes, right? So how thick they are, how sticky they are, um, what causes them to be thicker or thinner, um, what particles you know you can add to them, or chemicals you can add to them that would make them thicker or thinner, as well as you know delving down into the you know microscopic scale, understanding the interactions between those particles. Um, so I did that for a number of years, and then you know as time goes on, the lab uh, changed and decided to have a energy portfolio and and i was pretty good at you know not only doing the research but figuring out how to um, get money to do that research so they asked me to start a business in renewable energy
0: so starting a business with inside of a business
1: that's right i mean national laboratories um there are 17 of them within the united states and they do a variety of things they you know, are concerned with uh, nuclear weapons. They're concerned with environmental remediation. They have a huge basic science portfolio. That They do basic research in all sorts of subjects. And um, they also do energy research. So all the national labs report to the Department of Energy. And so it it's concerned with, you know, both handling weapons, waste, conducting science and doing energy research. So when you look at, you know, the opportunities for research, they're in those four basic areas. Um, We didn't have an energy portfolio so they said, you know, as a national lab, we needed to have one and, and engineers being what they are, they have skills that can be applied not only to, you know, nuclear weapons and waste but also to energy research. So we went off and did that and today we We do solar energy research, we do hydrogen research, Um, we have a fairly extensive uh, electrical grid research program that runs through my department, and then we also have a nuclear fuel cycle, which is how to make uh, nuclear fuel more efficiently, and we also do fusion energy research.
0: Yeah, fusion energy, that's, you know, if we, can, if we can figure that out, I think that solves a lot of the energy problems going forward.
1: Well, we'll see. They're building a multi-billion dollar fusion reactor in France, and we're a part of that program. And, and uh, that stems from our expertise in processing tritium for nuclear weapons. Um, fusion energy is, is made with a reaction between tritium and deuterium, and so since we understand a lot about Tritium, we're a part of that program.
0: Oh, that's, that's really interesting. I was not aware of that. I thought fusion was just kind of a, a pipe dream and not a whole lot going on there. So appreciate that insight.
1: Oh, no, it's a, it's a big program.
0: Could you describe, Bond, what, what a typical workday would look like or maybe a work week would look like for, you know, somebody entering into the profession as a chemical engineer?
1: You know, typically chemical engineers do several things. They can get into sales. They can get into research. They can get into what I'd call plant support um, or production type jobs. They can get into design. um, And then a lot of chemical engineers go into the finance world, right? Um, Into the
0: finance world. That. That's kind of intriguing what what do you mean by that into the finance world as a chemical well, engineer
1: um, some chemical engineers leave chemical engineering and they go to they go to Wall Street you know and any stem professional for that matter can get into the finance world. a lot of them go get a masters to do that, but some of them go right into it. We have uh several chemical engineers that are part of the American Institute of Chemical Engineering that are essentially venture capital and they they help work with companies to, to start up or work with mid sized companies to merge and and because they understand the chemical industry um, now typically you don't you don't jump right into that uh, it's something that comes much much later but um, people that go into the Wall Street business go right into financial analysis and use their stem education to do that but the typical chemical engineer um the graduates with a Bachelor of Science, most of them go into the plant support production-type jobs, and that's what we would do with them here at Savannah River. Uh, they might also go into a design job as an entry-level position.
0: Yeah, and I think that's what I like about these STEM, STEM careers is you're not pigeonholed into one specific avenue. You, you can take and branch out into many different directions, into sales, into management, you know, even into the financial world. So that that's pretty cool. That's what I like about STEM careers is you can do anything you want with them. Bond, we're gonna we're gonna get really specific here. Um we're gonna go into an area that, that you're really fired up about in chemical engineering and where do you see chemical engineering headed?
1: So like most manufacturing most manufacturing industries we have a couple of major problems. One of them is we always face competition um here in the U.S. and abroad with whoever and then we also face the fact that most people that are in manufacturing these days are aging right so my industry the, the basic business of Savannah Riverside is no different people came to work here in the 80s you know we had a group come in the 50s when they aged out we hired a bunch of people in the 80s now we're aging out so Um, We're trying to hire new people, so getting people to come in into manufacturing or research or any of these fields that are STEM-related is more difficult than it used to be. And principally because, you know, um, while they pay pretty well, you face competition with the industries like you're in. So with Intel and, you know, Silicon Valley, they, they can tend to pay a little higher. Uh, certainly, people go into the financial industry financial industry for the same reasons, and so lots of times you know getting people to go into the you know more traditional manufacturing research oriented positions is is tough so you know what we did at Savannah River uh in collaboration with the American Institute of chemical Engineers was we um went after a government grant um uh, the form a manufacturing institute. And that's called RAPID. Um, it's an acronym that you know basically stands for Rapid Deployment of Process Intensification Technology. Um, and by process intensification, it's learning how to reduce the size of a given piece of equipment or plant and get the same production rate out of it. And then it's also got a large educational component to it. So that government grant was uh, 7 million dollars over five years and it was matched um, with a little over uh, $260 million dollars of private investment and so the lab in collaboration with 34 universities and 75 companies are going to work towards advancing technology and education. Um, So this is part of a broader program by the uh, United States. We're actually have established about 14 of these manufacturing institutes, and they're in all different fields. The administration, along with Congress, recognized they need to put an investment, you know, in manufacturing. Um, we're lucky that our oil prices are low, so that you know helps everybody in the manufacturing world stay competitive. Um, and we're going to, you know, double down on that particular natural effect by using government investment to spur innovation. In manufacturing,
0: so it sounds like the the field of chemical engineering is, is is bright out there, and there's a lot of lot of opportunities, especially in the manufacturing side.
1: Um, because the oil prices have, have drastically reduced as a result of the shale gas uh, revolution, manufacturing is coming back onshore, um, and people are starting to build bigger plants, and and so we have an, you know a whole new generation of opportunity as a result of that.
0: Yeah, thanks, Bond, for that. We're going to we're gonna switch gears here a little bit, and we're going to move into an aha moment you've had. So if you could take us to a moment in time, Bond, of an incredible aha moment you've had at work or your personal life and tell us a story and how you turned that aha moment into success.
1: You know, there's always a few of those in a 30-year career, but thinking back on, you know, an aha moment um, sort of mid-career, We were having problems. We had just started up the plant that I was building for the, you know, first 10 years of my career and it was having all sorts of problems with production. We had hired a couple consultants to help us and they suggested that we used a a neural network uh, piece of software to analyze the process. And what it really does is it looks at the inputs and outputs that you can measure and tells you which ones are the most important. Without really a whole lot of work. Uh, You just have to feed it data and it, it, you know, does the work for you. Um, But, you know, that technology, you know, really was just getting started in the 90s and it's now resulted in what you call data analytics and big data. Um, But the aha moment for us was, you know, convincing everyone that you know, hey, these were the most important variables, and and using that particular piece of software to do it, um, that led to uh, an understanding by myself that I enjoyed doing more than just, you know, understanding a process and being a production engineer that I like to delve a little bit deeper into things, and um, as it turns out, the We published a paper on that work, and and the lab hired me as a researcher as a result of that. So, you know, from my point of view, the understanding that what I really like to do is investigate new things and always do something new was the aha moment for me as opposed to, you know, being the guy that, you know, every day comes to work at at 7, leaves at 5, um, I was more the, you know, type of person that wanted to be a little bit more innovative, uh, work a little bit differently, and think differently about something.
0: Yeah, and I th- I think that's important, STEM Nation. If you you got to think differently when you're in your career, and those those are the folks that really advance. If you, if you if you just come in and just hang out, do what you're supposed to do. You know, you'll have a good career, but if if you think differently, you're going to provide so much value to your employer, and they're going to appreciate that, and they'll reward you for that. Now, let's turn our attention into a topic that's probably front and center on a lot of the the STEM nation out there as there are juniors, seniors in high school, and they're going to be heading off to college. So Bond, if you could take us to a, a time when you were 18 years old, heading off to college, what is something that you wish you knew back then, or even knew back then, that you think would help our STEM nation?
1: Well, we didn't have the Internet back then that would allow you to, you know, search and say, what are the jobs that chemical engineers do, right? And I'm not even sure that the, the, um, you know, that even if you, you were 18 years old and you know the Internet can answer lots of questions, that you would be trained enough to really, you know, research the question. Um, and, and what I would say is that, you know, early on in your, you know, as a freshman in whatever degree field you're in, is try to pick up the skill to learn about something new and really try to answer the questions on where you're headed, um, because you just don't realize all the opportunity that you can have with a STEM education. Um, I had no idea that uh, somebody in STEM could could go to Wall Street, right? Um,
0: Right. I agree. uh,
1: I didn't, you know, all I knew my dad was in in tech sales, I knew that you could go into tech sales, but I didn't really understand what a a chemical engineer did. So those people who get a work opportunity, um, I was lucky enough that the co-op experience I had, I had a research experience. I had a plant, three plant experiences so I could at least see those. And then I had... You know the sales experience, um, but just because you go through four years as a chemical engineer doesn't mean that you necessarily have to do that, right? You can explore a completely different field, um, and so I think the easiest way to do it is to try to find somebody that's a uh, uh, more experienced than yourself to ask these questions to, um, and you know that's why the STEM nation is a is an interesting endeavor because. It offers you the opportunity to engage in people, engage with different people that have different experiences. Most people in STEM don't realize they can join a a national society as an undergraduate, and that offers opportunity as well to to interact with people that are, you know, 30 years of the career that you can, you know, basically ask that question, you know, what would you do if you were me? And trust me, anybody that's you know, if you're asking that question as a freshman, that would really help you.
0: Yeah, STEM Nation. At, you know, Bon hit on a couple of things there. The co-op positions; those are those are opportunities during college where you actually take a semester and a summer off during school, and you go work for seven or eight months. And in those seven eight months, you can really delve into something versus just a summer internship, and and get get involved with the societies. You can join these societies as college students and probably even as high school students, and get involved with that that community and ask questions. The, you know, we got one forum here is the podcast where we're going to be interviewing professionals that can give you some insights, but take some initiative and and go ask some questions yourself to these organizations. As as these students leave college, right, they got the skills of of learning and and sticking to it and and some capacity to get through these these curriculums because they're challenging. You know, I went through computer engineering and it was tough. It was a lot of work. I spent a lot of time in the library when my friends were out, you know, goofing around. And it was definitely well worth it. But transitioning into the, the work environment, what are some extra skills or attributes you think these STEMers will need to launch a, su- a successful career?
1: Um, well, I think the opportunity to present in front of people is, Something that's very important that you should do as early as possible in your in your uh, career. Um, I think they're building more of that into the into the curriculum for, for STEM. But um, you know, trying to stand up and speak to people uh, in a constructive manner and getting your point across is very important. And then I think the the other thing is to you know widen your your field of view a, a bit beyond your STEM education and try to take courses that are um, as much as you can, you know, outside the, you know, if you're in biology, take them in, you know, some other field so that you can get a, an idea of what you really want to do. I took economics as a, uh, an elective and I really liked it. So I took a, another course in my senior year and, I remember taking that. It was the second course, so it's usually a sophomore course. And I remember the score coming back, and the guy. I, I had a high score on the test, and the guy said, "Consider a, a career in economics." And I liked economics enough that I probably should have, but I was in my last quarter of chemical engineering, and I, you know, I didn't think to myself, "Well, I could go off and get a master's in economics, and and this is what I could do with it, right?"
0: Yeah, it'd be tough to, uh, you know, to make a a course correction like that. But, you know, you you have the economics background and you can utilize that in your career right now as you, you know, form new businesses and figure out the ROI within that business to to make it successful.
1: A course correction is best made early in your career. I mean, I see a lot of people that, that graduate with a biology degree and they get stuck, right? There's not a lot you can do with that. And it would be better off you'd be better off going back to school and incurring debt to, you know, further that STEM education um, either in that field or, or in another one than you would be to just terminate with that that biology degree. I'm not saying that you can't do well there, but the vast majority of people struggle.
0: Yeah, you you have to find a passion, right? Because if, if you don't have a passion for what you do, it, life is going to be a drag. But if your passion is something that isn't isn't marketable out in the real world? You really do have to think about that and go. You know, I gotta find something that I'm passionate about, that is something that the world wants and is willing to pay for, so you can make a living. So you, you really need to think about that as you're researching your career opportunities. Bond, are you ready for the lightning round? Sure. All right, let's give this a go. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? Um. Uh, so,
1: <laughs> I was coming into the lab, and my boss said. To me, you can do anything you want as long as you bring in money, and it was sort of a backhanded piece of advice. But you know, it spurred me on to to develop a program for myself and and go out and and uh, fund research. Um, what it was really trying to tell me is, if you don't get funding, then you know you're going to have to go back to the plant, and so that's not something I wanted to do. Now he he was to regret that advice that he gave me, because when I did finally bring in enough money, he wanted me to do something. And I said, I don't want to do that. You told me I could do anything I wanted to. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. I wish I had never told you that. But um, that that was a, a really good piece of advice. You know, he, he was basically telling me that, you know, research is important and doing the research is important, but it's just as important to be to go out and get funding in, in your areas of interest.
0: Thanks. Hey, personal habit what what kind of personal habits that do you have that contributes to your success
1: uh so i i live by my phone these days because i travel a lot so um you know making sure that all my meetings are in my um you know iphone and ipad calendar is is 100 percent the way i stay on track so
0: yeah so this next question of your favorite internet resource or phone app heck yours might just be the phone is your favorite internet resource or application. No, well,
1: I, I like, uh, frankly, I like TripAdvisor because my number one thing is to try to figure out some healthy place to eat on the road, and I use TripAdvisor to do that.
0: Okay. Yeah, TripAdvisor. I would have never guessed that. Hey, one book. If you could recommend one book for STEM Nation, what would it be and why?
1: Um, so I like Daniel Jurgens' The Quest. Uh, energy security and the remaking of the modern world. So Daniel Juergen is works for IHS, which is IHS Global Insights. Does energy research um, for the financial industry and for others. Um, they they do quite a bit of things. But Daniel Jurgan is a an economist that uh, runs a portion of IHS. And in that book, he really gives you a good overview of how the energy world works. All
0: right. Hey, STEM Nation, for you chemical engineers that may have an interest in that, go go pick up that book and uh, give it a go. And uh, that might excite you even further into the chemical engineering career. Bond, as we wrap up here, can you share a parting piece of guidance for STEM Nation? And then we'll say goodbye.
1: You know, I, I think if you get into the STEM field and, and you actually have a passion for it, that uh, a national society is a way to widen your network and horizons, and it's certainly done that for me. Um, I've been able to, you know, not only just volunteer my time as president, but also leverage the capabilities of a society to bring people together, um, and, you know, for a common cause. And that's that's something that most people that go into the, you know, they go they know that it's a coursework they have to do, but the um professional societies do offer uh, that networking opportunity that you wouldn't have
0: otherwise networking is so important i think once you get your first job and even helping with your first job is is your network you're going to find positions and opportunities in your network so start networking early in your career you know start doing it in college maybe in high school start networking and I think that will help you launch your career. And with that, Bond, we'll say goodbye.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Jeff.
0: I hope you enjoyed our discussion today with Bond. Head on over to stemonfire.com to subscribe to the email list to keep up with the latest happenings. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play. Tune in next week where we talk with Brett, who is an industrial engineer focused on analytics. Until next time, I hope this chat has helped ignite your passion towards a STEM career.